Merry Christmas. Happy Lord's Day. I love you. I appreciate you. I am so, I am so very thankful for you. This, this is my present. I don't know about you, but this is my present, being here uh, with you, knowing that there are even more participating online. I love you so very much, and I'm so, I'm so incredibly thankful for this year that we've had together to think about the theme that we've, we've sort of put forth. We studied through the book of Acts, we finished that up last week, but we, we talked about this idea that in Christ, the people of God are unstoppable. No matter what Satan throws at us, no matter what the world does, no matter what happens in our life individually or collectively, because of Jesus, we are unstoppable. I want you to think, if you will, and you may have already been thinking about this the last few weeks, but, but think, if you will, if you could go back in time to that night that Jesus was born and think about what you might have seen if you were there the night that he was born. You would have seen a, a young Jewish couple, Mary and Joseph, you, you might have even seen the, the fear in their eyes, the anxiety, also, of course, the joy that they would have had. You, you probably would have seen livestock. You may have seen uh, cows or horses or donkeys or, or sheep. You, you would have seen those things. You may have even seen their family, may have even traveled with them. We don't necessarily picture that. You may have seen family that had traveled with them to Bethlehem. You, you certainly would have seen a lot of things, but you, what you would not have seen, what you would not have seen is a dragon. You, you would not have seen a dragon. I don't know if that surprises you or not, but you wouldn't have seen a dragon. But just because you wouldn't have seen a dragon doesn't mean that there wasn't a dragon present. There was a dragon present that day. In fact, there was a dragon present throughout Jesus' entire life and ministry. And more than that, throughout the entire story of Scripture, there was a dragon present. You, you wouldn't have seen the dragon. It's not a literal dragon, but there was a dragon present from the very beginning throughout the entire story of the Bible and specifically in the life and the ministry, even the birth of Jesus, there is a dragon present. That's what the book of Revelation, that's how the, the book of Revelation tells the story of Jesus' birth, that there is a dragon present present. In fact, the word revelation, the word revelation, we translate that from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means a revealing, a revelation. Something is, is hidden and then it is revealed. I always think about the Wizard of Oz and how the wizard is behind the, the curtain and when the curtain is pulled back, you see what was always there but was unseen before that. And so the book of Revelation is a way to sort of pull back the curtains and said. There's more going on than what you can see. There is more going on than you can see. And that was true the night that Jesus was born. That was true throughout Jesus' life and ministry. And that's true right now. There is more going on than you can see. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. Maybe right now it's, it's sort of the best time that you've ever had in your life. Maybe you're, you're on a high or, or maybe you're at a low. I don't know what's going on with you personally or with your family or what's going on in, in our community or in our world. I don't know what's happening today or what will happen a month from now. But 
regardless of what you can see, whether what you see is, is pleasant and joyful and happy or what you see is difficult and challenging and heartbreaking, there is always more going on than what you can see. And that's what we see throughout the book of Revelation. That's what John is able to have this vision and explain this vision to his readers to tell them there's more going on than what you can see. They, they were going through and would be going through an incredibly challenging time in their lives. And John is writing to tell them there's more going on than what you can see. And, and I hope that you and I can hold on to that. On the good days and the bad days. To, to remember and to realize that there's more going on than what you can see. And certainly on the night that Jesus was born and again throughout his life, there's more going on than what people could see. L listen to the way that the book of Revelation describes that. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1. Of course, all of these symbols and signs are used. And it says, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. So, so maybe these signs and symbols about the sun and the moon and the stars might remind us of the story of Joseph might remind us about the, the 12 sons of, of Israel. And so this woman is probably symbolic of Israel. That Israel is, is in pain and in agony. And, and Israel is giving birth to a son. In, in many ways, it wasn't just Mary. It was Mary who gave birth to Jesus. But in many ways, it wasn't just Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, it was all of Israel. Generations and generations and generations of God's covenant people who had been in agony and pain, harassed ever since they, they came back from exile from Babylon and Persia, and they came back to the promised land, harassed by the Greeks, and then later harassed by the Romans. In pain and in agony, Israel was waiting. But the thing about their pain and their agony was that it was anticipatory. Something good was coming. Someone good was coming. A savior was coming. A redeemer was coming. A king was coming. And they waited in pain and in agony, waiting for the redemption of Israel, waiting for God's promised king, God's Messiah to come. And so John pictures it this way. Again, like Israel, a woman in birth pains, waiting and in agony, waiting to give birth to the Messiah. But, verse 3, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his, head, seven, on his heads seven diadems, that is, crowns. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Now, it's probably not hard to guess who the dragon is symbolic of, who the dragon is. In fact, in verse 9 of chapter 12, John will help us to understand that the dragon is that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. And, and he's present. 
the dragon, the, the satan, the devil, the accuser, the slanderer, the ancient serpent, r- reminding us of, of the garden all the way back at the beginning of the story, that the ancient serpent was there, the dragon was there, the accuser was there, the slanderer was there, the deceiver was there. And the book of Revelation says this this dragon, this serpent, this accuser, this slanderer has deceived the entire world. And the entire world is his, his, his victims and his slaves. And he masters the world because he has deceived the world. But the hope of the world is that this woman, Israel, is going to bring the Messiah into the world to bring redemption, to bring hope, to, to bring freedom, to liberate the people, to break them out of the dragon's deceit and curse. And, and of course, this dragon has heads and has crowns and has horns, meaning that Satan has power and strength and authority. And just like there's anticipation in the woman anticipating the, the Messiah, the, the dragon is anticipating his birth as well, isn't he? he he's waiting. And it says that he's waiting, he's writing right in front of the woman so that as soon as the child is born, he can devour him. And again, we don't see the dragon in the story of Jesus' birth. If you had been there on that day, you wouldn't have seen the dragon, but he was there. He was there. Behind Herod's soldiers who came after the birth of Jesus to Bethlehem to kill the children, And to try to kill the Messiah, Satan was behind that. The dragon was behind that. The deceiver was behind that. The accuser was behind that. The slanderer was behind that. You couldn't see him. All you could see is the soldiers. But the devil was behind that. If you had followed Jesus in the wilderness during those 40 days after he was baptized and before he started his ministry, if you had been with Jesus in the wilderness, I'm not exactly sure what you would have seen, but the devil was there trying to devour him, trying to destroy him, trying to defeat him. If you had been with Jesus and his apostles, do you remember the time where Jesus was explaining to his apostles that he was going to have to suffer and die and Peter spoke up? Peter never hesitated to speak up. And and Peter spoke up and he says, no, Lord, no, this is never going to happen to you. And what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. If you had been there, you wouldn't have seen Satan. You wouldn't have seen the dragon. You wouldn't have seen the devil, but he was there. He, He was behind those lies and that deceit and that idea and that temptation to take the easy way out and not suffer and not die? The dragon was there. The deceiver was there. Whether you could see him or not, he was there. And certainly on the night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas and abandoned by his apostles, when he was arrested and he was tried, and the next day he was crucified, 
Certainly the dragon was there. The deceiver was there. The Satan was there. The ancient serpent was there. And so from the moment that Jesus was born, even prior to Jesus being born, the dragon was there waiting wanting to devour him, wanting to destroy him, wanting to defeat him. There was more going on than anyone could see. There was more going on than anyone could see, and Satan was there wanting to devour and destroy and defeat. But, look at verse 5, and I love this verse. This verse not only sums up the birth of Jesus, and also the life and the ministry of Jesus, but also the whole gospel. Here in just one verse, Revelation 12 and verse 5, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. That, that's the gospel right there. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Israel gave birth to this child who was to rule the nations. And that word rule, that literally is shepherd. To shepherd, to shepherd the nations. That's what the world needed. That's what the world needs, isn't it? A shepherd. A shepherd who will love the sheep. A shepherd who will care for the sheep. A shepherd who will defend the sheep from the evil one. A shepherd who was to come. The shepherd we've been waiting for. The shepherd we've been anticipating. The shepherd we've been hoping for. This child who was coming into the world that the devil wanted to devour and destroy and defeat. This is the one who would shepherd, who would rule who? The nations, not just Israel, not just the Jewish people, but who would rule and shepherd the nations. The Greek word there, and we've talked about that a lot this year, is ethnos, the ethnic groups, all the ethnic groups. That that this shepherd, this king who would rule the nation wasn't just for one people, but was for all the people, all the lost all the lost sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, all the lost sheep of all the flocks in all the world, this shepherd was to rule them all, shepherd them all, care for them all, love them all, free them from the evil one. This shepherd, and the dragon is is waiting to stop that from happening. The dragon is waiting to devour. The the dragon is waiting to destroy. The dragon is waiting to defeat. And and the text says that he's he's got this rod of iron. Now, why would this shepherd need a a rod of iron? This is actually a quote from Psalm chapter 2, starting in verse 7. Listen to this, Psalm 2 and verse 7, about the Messiah. It says, I will tell of the decree, the Lord, that is Yahweh, said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. 
You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This, this shepherd who was to be born, this shepherd that the world was waiting for, this shepherd that the world needed, whether they knew it or not, this shepherd who was to come and to rule and shepherd all the nations is one who would have a rod of iron to, to break the grasp, to break the horns, to break the crowns, to break the heads of the serpent, to crush his head under his heel, to break his hold on the world. This is the one who is coming. And of course, Satan wanted to stop that from happening. Of course, the dragon wanted to stop that from happening. He'd been waiting. And as soon as he was born, he wanted to devour. He wanted to destroy. He wanted to defeat. I love this word here. Three little letters, but... You see it? She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. That's a good word, isn't it? But what Satan wanted to happen, what Satan was anticipating, his desire to devour, his desire to destroy his, his desire to continue to deceive, his desire to defeat, he was defeated. His desires came to nothing. He was waiting for the Messiah to be born so he could stop him from crushing the serpent's head. He was waiting for the Messiah to be born so he could stop him from freeing the world. He, he was desiring to devour him so that he could stop him from saving all the sheep of all the flocks in all the world and shepherding them. He tried in vain. He tried in vain to stop him. He tried in vain to devour him. He tried in vain to defeat him. And the Messiah, this child that Israel had been waiting for, that the world needed, was caught up to heaven, was caught up to God and to his throne. He rules he rules, he reigns, he shepherds. What he was born to do has come true. And it's true right now. Amen? It's true right now. And that's why we rejoice. That's why we celebrate. That's why we celebrate regardless of what we can see. Regardless of what you can see, the devil lost. Regardless of what you can see, his desires came to nothing. Regardless of what you can see, the devil was defeated. Regardless of what you can see, the child who was to rule the world, shepherd the world, has been caught up to God and to his throne. Regardless of what you can see, Jesus wins. That's what the whole book of Revelation is about. Sometimes we read the book of Revelation and we get kind of scared. Don't we? Dragons and beasts. No, no, no. The, the book of Revelation isn't supposed to scare you. The book of Revelation is supposed to comfort you. That's what we're supposed to, that's what we're supposed to see and believe and understand throughout the scriptures. That yes, 
There's more going on than you can see. Yes, the devil is real. Yes, he's like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But he loses. He loses. He's defeated. He fails. And Jesus wins. Jesus is victorious. He is caught up to God and to his throne. He rules over his worldwide, multinational, multi-ethnic, multilingual family. The plan that God always had in place. That the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent has come true. And regardless of what you can see, this is truth. Regardless of what you can see, this is reality. Look at verse 6, Revelation chapter 12. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. Now, now Jesus has ascended. So is the woman Israel or is the woman the church? And the answer is yes, right? Yes. And those of us who believe in the Messiah, those of us who are children of God have been added to the new Israel. And we are in the wilderness. But, but even though we're in the wilderness for a period of time, we are being nourished by God. Yes, yes, we're in the wilderness. And yes, the, the serpent is still real. Yes, the dragon is still real. Yes, the devil is still real, still a reality. And yes, we're in the wilderness waiting to come home to the new Jerusalem, waiting for our exile to be over. But in, in spite of the fact that we're in the wilderness, we are being nourished by God, cared for by God, knowing this new reality that the dragon has failed and Jesus has won. Jesus reigns. Jesus shepherds. Jesus wins. Jesus is victorious. And in Christ, we are conquerors. If we continue to read the story, look at verse 12 of Revelation 12. Verse 10, rather. Revelation 12 and verse 10. It says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God, and they have conquered him. They have conquered him. One more time. They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. The dragon is, is still alive, but he has been defeated. He has lost. He has failed. He has been cast down. He doesn't win. He, he isn't victorious. We win. We are conquerors. God's people have conquered him. By what? By being sprinkled with the blood of the lamb. We have conquered him by the lamb's blood. And when we hold fast to our testimony, and when we love not our lives, even unto the point of death, and as we continue reading throughout Revelation over and over again, no matter what the dragon does, 
No matter what the devil does, no matter what Satan does, no matter what that ancient serpent does, he loses. Oh, and he tries. He tries to harass God's people. He tries to hurt God's people. And sometimes it does hurt. And sometimes it is scary. Sometimes it's terrifying. And that's why we need the curtain pulled back to realize there's more going on than what you can see. To remember the dragon loses, the serpent loses, the devil loses, and we win. That's what Revelation is all about. That's what the gospel is all about. We win. And church, all too often I see God's people being very afraid, even saying things sometimes about evil winning. Nonsense. Evil does not win. Evil cannot win. Evil will not win. God is victorious. Why? Because the child who was born has been caught up to God and to his throne. He rules and reigns. He shepherds the nations. He wins. And when you trust in him, and you follow him, and you obey him, you win. You conquer by the blood of the Lamb. You conquer by holding fast to our testimony. You conquer by loving not your life, even to the point of death. And as we continue reading Revelation, it ends chapters 20 and 21 with Satan being finally and completely destroyed, even death itself being destroyed, and God wiping away every tear from your eyes, from our eyes, and God's people inheriting and living forever in the new Jerusalem. This is truth. This is reality. So my encouragement for you this morning and every morning is focus on what is true, not merely what is seen. Focus on what is true, not merely what is seen. And some days that's easier than others. And some days that's harder than others. It's hard. It's hard when you're hurting to focus on what is true and not merely what is seen. But there's more to reality than what you can see. And this is reality. This is truth. The truth is Satan loses. The truth is his time is short. The truth is he will be thrown into the lake of fire. The truth is Satan and death and sin will be no more. The truth is Jesus reigns. The truth is Jesus wins. The truth is Jesus is victorious. The truth is that if you belong to him, you cannot lose. Isn't that what we've been talking about all year long? Unstoppable? That if you trust in Jesus, if you follow him, if you belong to him, you cannot lose. No matter what happens, yes, there's times where what you can see and what you can feel and what you're experiencing is terrifying and it hurts. It isn't to say that we ignore what is seen, but it is to say that we know that there is more going on than what we can see. And that as people of faith, 
We have to focus on what is true, not merely what is seen. Isn't that what Hebrews chapter 11 says that faith is? That it's the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? We know that there's more going on than what we can see. And what's going on is Jesus' is ruling. What's going on is that Jesus is reigning. What's going on is that Jesus is shepherding his people. What's going on is that the devil loses and Jesus wins. Remember that. Remember that when, when you're hurting. Remember that when you get news that's hard to handle. Remember that on the good days and on the hard days. That what is true, what is real, is that in Christ we are more than conquerors. But maybe this morning, maybe this morning you haven't grasped on to that story and become part of what Jesus is doing in the world, what Jesus has done for you by being baptized into Christ. There's no better time than right now to accept what Jesus has done, to be covered by his blood, to embrace the victory that we have in Christ by being baptized into him, or maybe, maybe you're just struggling to remember what is true and not merely what is seen. Maybe you're struggling to hold on to in the depths of your heart and soul the reality and the truth that we win in Christ. And maybe you need your brothers and sisters to come around you and pray with you and pray for you and to remind you that the devil loses and Jesus wins. If we can pray for you this morning, if we can help you in any way, our shepherds would love to meet with you after service, or you can come forward right now. Let's together we stand and sing this song.